Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. God bless everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. Yes, everybody in Southern California, we're okay. We had a summer rain. It was unusually heavy, but I think we're all going to be okay. Uh, today's topic I really, really like. Faithful Catholics plead with Pope Francis not to remove Bishop Joseph Strickland and the Tyler Diocese. And it's a letter from the flock to the nuncio, to the Pope, saying, you know, here's our concerns. And I think it's done really respectfully, which I think is absolutely necessary. We're also going to be talking about, this is kind of interesting, a former liberation theologian uh, says the movement fueled a decline of Catholicism in Brazil. Yeah, the whole South America in the 60s, late 60s and 70s, 80s, 90s and on, we lost millions of Catholics to Protestantism because of liberation theology. And these guys are finally coming to grips with it, which we had already known. Also, really sad that we don't have more accountability for error in the church. Catholic seminary brought sexologists who promoted transgenderism, masturbation to the seminarians. I thought that was over. I remember our seminary here in L.A. in the 80s. Guys were saying they're showing them R-rated movies to our seminarians so they understand what people watch. Totally offensive to God. And anybody who's told that they have to do that, you reject it. That's not a legitimate order. So it's not an order according to St. Thomas Aquinas. And also we'll talk a little bit about the rally coming with Bishop Fulton Sheen rally here at the Sacred Heart Chapel on the 14th of of uh, October, and we're going to talk a little bit about the beatification. What is going on with that? Lots to talk about. Before we get to some soul food, I do want to just mention that this coming week, like a, a week month, a week from today, we start a wonderful three-day conference on Our Lady, on the angels and Our Lady uh, by Father Wolfgang. He's done it every year here for a decade or so. If you want to get close to your guardian angel, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, starts at 5.30 with confessions. we got mass. we got conferences here at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel. So keep that in mind. All right, well, let's bring some soul food in today. And today's feast day, just to tell you, is a Pope Pius X, St. Pope Pius X. Wait till you hear about him. Oh, boy, he sounds like he's the kind of guy we need today. The Gospel today is from Matthew chapter 23, verse 13 to 22. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, Woe to you. Whenever he says woe, that means listen up. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You lock hang on, the kingdom of heaven before men. You do not enter yourselves, nor do you allow the entrance to those who trying to enter. Woe to the scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. You traverse the sea and land to make one convert. And when that happens, you make him a child of Gehenna, twice as much as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guiles, who say, if one swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if one swears by the gold of the temple, one is obliged. Blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that made the gold sacred? And you say, 
If one swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if one swears by the gift on the altar, one is ob obligated. You blind ones, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? One who swears by the altar swears by it and all that is upon it. One who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. One who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who is seated on it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I gotta get, when I read that, it made me think of today again, because I always try to apply it to my own life. Woe to Terry. Woe to our listeners. Woe to the priests, bishops. Woe to everyone, the Pope included. If we don't proclaim the teachings of Christ. That's the whole purpose of the church. The canon law, the last canon says, the church existence is for one thing, to get people to heaven. So if I'm going to spend most of my time talking about worldly things, and I'm in a position on the radio to help people fall in love with Jesus, I'm not doing my job. I should step down. And likewise, people in the church who want to compromise and lower the bar on the church's moral teachings, they're not doing their job. I would ask them humbly, step down. We need to get someone in there that will proclaim the teachings of the church. And I say that all the way to the top because we're going to be judged, all of us, myself included, on how well we did our duties in our state in life. For me, married man with four kids, a couple grandchildren, how well am I performing my duties for my wife and children and grandchildren? Am I saying, yeah, get out of here. I'm going to go, I'll go live in some far-off country and uh, at an inexpensive rate and forget about everybody else. I'll just, you know, live selfishly for myself. i got all the money I need. Why should I support anybody else? Well, that's happening in our culture today. People leave. But we have a duty as a parent to teach our faith to our children, to the grandchildren, and to give that example of faith. And I say that to the apostles. They did. The successors, bishops, priests. We're all going to be judged on how well we do our duty in our state and life. And I would say, uh, the Holy Father, the Pope Pius X, Saint Day, he says he was, um, he was made a saint in 1954. And... Um, He's very appropriate for today because you can see on our website, we put a document on modernism, 1907, that he, he wrote. And it's so appropriate for us today in, 19, in 2023. This was done in 1907, over 100 years ago. And to succinctly put modernism is letting the world in to teach us the faith. Kind of like what's going on right now. We've got people in the world who say, hey, you Catholics, get with the program. Divorce, come on. Adultery, that's old-fashioned. You, you know, we, we just do what we feel what feels good. Oh, the world says, hey, on homosexuality, not only the world, we got people in our church who are being elevated to high positions who say, the Bible's wrong. 
on homosexuality. You got to let people have a good time. You got to let them let form our seminarians in immorality so that, you know, they're not going to get too shocked when they hear confessions. They say, hey, well, you're doing the same thing I'm doing. No big deal. It's not a sin. That's modernism. And we have it going on right now. Now, St. Pope Pius X is the Pope who lowered the age for First Holy Communion to the children. Before, kids were like 14, 15, before they started receiving Holy Communion. And I think it's awesome that he did that because even my kids, I had a, a child who received First Holy Communion at age five. Why? Because he, he, he had all the requirements. He knew that it was Jesus. He believed in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. He understood it intellectually. And the priest said, oh, no reason to wait a couple more years. He can receive now. So we did it. So thank you, Pope Pius X. Also, Pope Pius X was aware of the world, the devil, and the flesh. And his motto was, let all things be renewed by Jesus Christ. And so he didn't think this idea that is going on today that nobody needs to be baptized, that you know, we have universal salvation. Now think of the churches and the evangelization efforts that were made under his pontificate. Now it was Pope Leo XIII who canonized him, okay? You know, who, who actually made him, he followed the Pope, I'm sorry, made him a cardinal. And then is the Pope after Leo XIII, a very holy man also. But here's the, the point I'm making. This man was set to fight and said, Christ needs to be the center of all the universe. In 1925, remember we had the Christ the King feast day. He always talked about that, that Jesus Christ is king of the whole world, the whole universe. And we need that attitude again to go out and evangelize people because we've lost it in the modern world because we think everybody is going to be saved just on the basis of your existence so that we can see the evangelization effort was cut way back. Missionaries, there's a guy out in South America, Franciscan. He brags for the last 40 years, never baptizing anyone. What the heck was he doing? Was he a social worker helping people get fed? I mean, that's great. What about supernatural being fed with supernatural grace of the sacraments? You're a priest. They lost it. And Pope Pius X told us modernism is what we have to fight. And today, we have modernism in the church. And I would like to ask Pope St. Pius X to pray for us and pray for the Holy Father today that he heeds your advice from over 120 years ago about modernism. Stay with us. We're going to have a, a great time when we come back. We're going to talk about a letter. Faithful people in Tyler, Texas wrote a letter to the nuncio in defense of Bishop Joseph Strickland. Wait till you hear the letter. It makes sense to me. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Before I mention what we're going to talk about, I want to tell you I'm going to be on with Father Heilman and Doug Berry on the Grace Force today at 5 o'clock California time to talk about 
the event that's coming up, uh, Bishop Strickland's uh, the Defending the Faith Conference in the Tyler Diocese in Texas and inviting people to come to this event. Uh, yeah, we got some a great lineup at the convention center, and it's inexpensive. You can go to our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, to sign up for that. But I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a letter that was, hang on, that was a letter written. Oh, God, God, I forgot about Bishop Sheen. And my engineer just told me, and I forgot all about it. Let's get Bishop Sheen into this picture. Full Sheen ahead. Oh, my goodness. Bishop Sheen says this. Almost everyone today wants a religion, but everyone wants a religion that does not cost too much. That is why Christianity has been watered down to suit the modern man. That ties right into St. Pius X. That's why I picked that reading. St. Pius X talked about a modernism, and that's what modernism is all about. It's bringing the worldly view into the church. And I think about these guys, just a quick note, these guys that say they're cardinals and say the church has been wrong for 2,000 years on homosexuality. Uh, the Book of Romans, no, that, they just don't have it right. Think that one through. I mean, this guy, this cardinal, with all due respect, is telling him the church has been wrong for 2,000 years, and I'm going to straighten out the church right now because I've got a better idea. I'm like Ford. That kind of guy needs a lot of prayer. That cardinal needs prayer. But I'd also say if he doesn't go along with what the church's perennial teachings are, step down. Do us a favor because you're hurting the body of Christ by putting out error. And that's the word error, I said, because saying that homosexuality is in line with the gospel is error. It's false. All right, let's get to that faithful Catholics plead with Pope Francis not to remove Bishop Strickland. Now, they wrote this letter to the nuncio. This is the guy who represents the Holy See and Pope Francis for the United States. I met him. Now, no one knows the character and ministry of Bishop Joseph Strickland like the Catholic faithful in his diocese. This is a letter to the Holy Father. He's been, he has been in our home faithfully preaching the gospel to us. He baptizes our children, corrects us when necessary, and he buries our dead for as long as we can remember. Now, this letter says that I'm offered in fidelity to Christ. This is the people saying, the fidelity to Christ the church on behalf of the Catholic faithful of the Diocese of Tyler, we respectfully address the matter consists with our rights and ob obedience to our obligations under the canon law of the Catholic Church, particularly the canon that we always refer to, canon 208 to 223, which states, read this, the Christian faithful are free to make known to their pastors of the church their needs, especially spiritual ones and their desires, and have a right, even at times, the duty to manifest to the sacred pastors their opinions on matters which pertain to the good of the church and to make their opinions known to the rest of the Christian faithful. That's Canon 212. We always quote that. Now that says it all for us. When we go to talk to a bishop, a cardinal, or even the Holy Father, we're telling him what we think the challenge is or the problem is, and we want to plead with him, you're the one who can stop this. And that's what we quote. And so we have a right to do that. Some people say, you can't criticize the Pope. Hey, criticize me if it means helping me do my job better and do God's will better. All right, so here's the purpose of the letter. We wish to raise our grave concern 
with the recent apostolic visitation of Bishop Joseph Strickland in the Diocese of Tyler by papal representatives. <clears throat> there are two grounds for our concern. Really, First, no special circumstances exist in the Diocese of Tyler, whether spiritual or administrative, that warrant an apostolic visitation. In other words, go to Chicago. Go all over to a diocese where there's all kinds of problems. Why go to a diocese that's running well? That's the question. Second, the visit to our diocese without such special circumstances, when public and, and demonstrably grave circumstances of, in using the right term, heterodoxy, false teaching, and moral failures exist in other unvisited dioceses worldwide, raises the legitimate questions about the justice and charity of the process, as well as the potentially given rise to scandal among the faithful. So what they're saying is, you're, you're knocking on the wrong door. Here the, the houses are all burning, and what do you do? You put the water on the house that's not burning. That's what the church is doing with this investigation. The existence and context of this letter are entirely unknown to Bishop Joseph Strickland. Are any other clerics within our or without the diocese? He likely would not approve of such an action by the faithful. I know he would not approve of it. But you know, it's a free country. He doesn't need to. Be, he doesn't want anybody defending him. But I'm going to. <laughs> when someone does the right thing, we should point it out. But our concerns are only secondary, related to Bishop Strickland and the diocese of Tyler. This communication concerns our superior obligation to truth, justice, and charity, and our love for the Catholic faith. That's what Bishop Strickland taught these people to be concerned about. Truth, justice, charity, love for the Catholic faith. End of story. Yeah. No one knows the character and ministry of Joseph Strickland like the Catholic faithful of his diocese. That makes sense. You live there. I've never been there. Our diocese is small, and Bishop Strickland has served as our bishop for all over a decade, ministering as a priest in our homes, our diocese before that. In fact, he was raised in East Texas. That's correct. I think it was Colfax City. Yep. He has been in our homes, faithfully preaching the gospel and baptized our children, corrected us when necessary. Good job. Buried our dead for as long as we can remember. And this is the key. In all respects, he is a faithful bishop and a son of the Holy Mother, the Church. Kind of like what John Paul II said to Bishop Sheen two months before he died in St. Patrick's, Patrick's Cathedral. You have written well and you have spoken well. You are a loyal son of the church. John Paul II said that to Bishop Sheen. And look at the persecution he got. Yep. So we express our filial love for the Holy Father. In other words, we got respect for the vigor of Christ. We should. And respect for the visitors assigned to conduct the recent canonical visit. And we make no claim at all the facts surrounding the recent apostolic visit. However, we possess relevant information regarding our bishop and the functioning of our diocese. Yeah, you think? Talk to the people, baby. We humbly submit that it is responsible to conclude that the knowledge of the Catholic faith in the diocese regarding the bishop and the spiritual and administrative functioning of the diocese is in many respects greater than our outside visitors with a transcendent investigation, the mission is extremely short. So yeah, he says, you know, you're going to come for two days, do your investigation, 
and we've been here for years. Who do you think knows more? I, I, yeah, you think? Rhetorical question. For this reason, we request that in the interest of justice and truth, great weight be given to the widespread support and opinion of the faithful of the Diocese of Tyler, who have more reason to know Bishop Strickland than perhaps anyone else. And I would encourage you on the 1st and 2nd of September to come to Diocese of Tyler, which I am going to be. I'm going to be the, uh, the Master of Ceremonies for a Defending the Faith conference. He's our keynote speaker at this conference. And I love it because he's going to be proclaiming a keynote address, proclaiming the apostolic faith with clarity and boldness. Now, the letter's short. A little bit more. It says, It is well known that canonical visitations are conducted by papal representatives with a transcendent mission of a short duration to investigate special circumstances in the diocese and to submit a report to the Holy See. My comment, every area that they look in, financial, vocations, sexual abuse, A-plus for Bishop Strickland. Okay? They don't, and so while no doubt specific complaints or allegations triggered the apostolic visitation to the Diocese of Tyler, I'll tell you what triggered it, him speaking on the apostolic teachings of the church and the perennial teachings of the church. Let's be honest. The man's yeah, fearless. We who know the diocese and the bishop well, however, assert that no special circumstances in our diocese exist warranting an apostolic visitation. As I said in the letter, it says, the diocese is spiritually healthy. There's no heterodoxy, no mishandling of sexual abuse cases, no internal corruption, no public moral failures by bishop or clergy. That's a novelty in today's church. And here, for decades, Bishop Strickland's preaching and public statements have affirmed and defended the deposit of faith. Well said. Found that the canonical books of sacred scripture, this is what he always says on the radio with me every week, sacred tradition and the indefectibility preserved by the ordinary and extraordinary magisterium of the Catholic Church. This is widely known and appreciated in our diocese. He says, even when Bishop Strickland perceived it his duty to oppose error publicly, he always does with charity. He always does that. I see him do it every week on the radio with me here on Virgin Most Powerful. He distinguishes between the persons or the office and the error. This is to be expected <coughs> from a successor of the apostle who are commissioned to teach with the authority of Jesus Christ. You see, he realizes he can't change anything. He has no authority. Jesus Christ teaches something. It's, an in, it's, done, it's done. So if objections have been raised to Bishop Strickland, very rarely opposition to the actions of teachings of clergy members or even members of the hierarchy, you know, like Father James Martin, yeah, then criticism itself is not an automatic or sufficient basis for canonical action. Fraternal correction needs to be brought back in the Catholic Church today. That's what Strickland is doing. Fraternally, whether it's the Pope, the bishops, cardinals, priests, I want to be corrected if I'm wrong. Stop lowering the bar and saying that, oh, we can't be critical of each other. When you're wrong, you're wrong, man. So as St. Thomas Aquinas makes clear, fraternal correction is a work of mercy and may be publicly necessary when it's the only or surest way to protect the common good. I'll give you an example. He criticized a cardinal who said, that homosexuality should be legit in the Catholic Church. Well, that could affect the, the general public in a very bad way because someone could say, well, the cardinal said it's okay. But no, Strickland says, you know what? For the betterment of the common good, 
You think I like it, but I'm going to have to do it. Big Cardinal, you're wrong. you got to go back to what the perennial teachings of the church are. And I call you as a way of loving you with the truth. Now, it is believed that statements by Bishop Strickland have been rash. People say that. Against the rule of prudence, justice requires that specific statements be subject to rigorous and transparent scrutiny of truth. Given that statements intended as an exercise of the work of mercy are only against the rule of prudence when they are formed without sufficient certitude. Believe me, he's, he, he prays before he speaks. I can tell on my radio shows. Finally, I'm going to give it to you when we come back. Uh, hit the, bishop, the lay people of the Diocese of Tyler writing a letter to the nuncio that goes to the Pope saying, please don't take our bishop out. He's one of the good guys. Go find somebody in Chicago or other cities that are doing all kinds of crazy things. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. <laughs> I'm reading this letter from the lay people in the Diocese of Tyler. Uh, defending Bishop Strickland, saying, why are you coming in with this visitation to Strickland when our diocese is doing so well and you see all these other crazy places in the United States and around the world doing terrible things? And I think they've got some legitimate comments. And we're going to be out there in Tyler, Texas, on the second, 1st and 2nd of September for the Defending the Faith Conference. Uh, I'd love to have you come out. Go to vmpr.org and you can register for that conference. It's a two-day conference. I know it's short notice, but it's worth going to this conference. You'll meet wonderful Catholics. And, uh, I mean, if you're within driving distance in Texas, go for it. I'm flying out. Uh, I'm going to be there for a couple of days because I, uh, I think it's important that we speak the truth and defend the faith. Okay. Finally, he says, if, if this letter, if this exists, administrative shortcomings are correctable unless they rise to the level of demonstrable corruption. So don't take our bishop away is what they're saying. The visit to the diocese without special circumstances warranting a canonical visit. While some dioceses are publicly known to have administrative problems, some bishops make heretical public statements without such a visit, appears unjust, and gives rise to scandal. Let's just be honest. Look at Phoenix right now, the new guy out there promoting homosexuality or Chicago, same problems. Why aren't they going and doing investigations on these crazy dioceses? And why go out to a diocese, a little diocese who's doing their duty? I'll give you one example. They got 21 seminarians for 50,000 Catholics in their diocese. You do that ratio. In my diocese of L.A. where I live, we'd have 2,500 seminarians. And when we only have 160, if that. You see... Strickland's doing a great job in the diocese. Now, neither the diocese of Tyler nor its bishop are without imperfections. They acknowledge that and weaknesses. Nonetheless, it is a healthy diocese, and Strickland is an orthodox pastoral bishop with worldwide Catholics. Such a shepherd is due to the grave face crisis that we're facing. So these are undeniable, undeniable and numerous scandals, moral fail failures among the clergy. This is not the case in the diocese of Tyler. Check this out. 
weekly mass attendance has dropped a big time around the country, but not in Tyler. You know, we have millions of Catholics leaving. The Tyler, the diocese is growing. Okay, so, okay, I get it. You go and knock off these people who are growing. We can't, we can't stop this. You're baptizing too many babies. Too many people are coming into the church. Come on, just knock it off. No, this reality cannot help raise serious questions about the justice of the recent apostolic visitation to Tyler. Worse, it could lead to spiritual evil of scandal. Well, I think it leads to scandal because it's like I said, the analogy is a you got a row of houses uh, that are on fire and you go to put the water out on the one that's not burning. That makes no sense. Here's the conclusion of this letter. Your Excellency, now he's talking with the Nuncio for the United States, for the, for the Holy See, we are addressing this letter to you because you are the Holy Father's personal and official representative to the Church of the United States. We respectfully request two things of you. First, we request that you take the steps necessary to communicate the depth of our concern of the Catholic faith in the Diocese of Tyler to the Holy Father. Second, we request that you communicate to the Holy Father our filial appeal that we will not be left without a local shepherd who has taken so seriously his appeal to be a shepherd with the smell of the sheep. We humbly request your blessing and assure you of our prayers and our filial devotion to the vigor of Christ and our fidelity to the whole deposit of faith indefectibly preserved by the ordinary and extraordinary magisterium of the church. That letter was well written to really communicate to the Holy See what we as lay people in the Diocese of Tyler see. In some sense, I get to hear him every week here on VMPR and interview him, and everything that he said, I can attest, it's all true about Bishop Strickland. But I, I really think, in my, in my mind, that the reason he has the investigation going on is because of corruption in the Vatican. They don't want to hear from a bishop like Strickland because he's calling them to fidelity to the church. Now, I'm going to shift gears because now we're going to talk about another bishop, Bishop Joseph, Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. Will he ever be beatified? He's in the same boat that Strickland's in. Bishop Strickland is being attacked by people in the church because of his orthodoxy. Now, two years ago, Bishop Sheen was going to be beatified. Two weeks before the event, the Bishop of Upstate New York, Cardinal Supich and others, got involved and said he shouldn't do this. We don't know if Bishop Sheen was involved in sexual abuse. Well, they already did the due diligence, and it was found that he didn't. So it was a stupid thing to say, but I get why they wanted to say it, because they didn't want Fulton Sheen beatified, because I can see why. All of his hundred books, all of his recordings... All of his teachings go contrary to modernism. And those bishops who don't want Bishop, Strick, Bishop, Joseph, Bishop Fulton Sheen to be beatified, many of them, I believe, are modernists. They don't believe in the perennial teachings of the church as Bishop Sheen did. And we think about Bishop Sheen, out of all the bishops since 1776, only one bishop in America ever got an award in philosophy from the University of Louvain, like Bishop Sheen. 
top in the class using St. Thomas Aquinas' principles of the Summa. And so he was one of the greatest minds of the Catholic Church. And now it's time to beatify him, and we have people in the church who say, oh man, we can't have people do that because this guy says so much that is opposed to our new way, you know, what, what Pope Pius X calls modernism. So basically, we have a conference coming up. Uh, we call it a rally on the 14th of October. We're going to have a live virtual petition drive on our, on our website, you know, on the podcast with Full Sheen Ahead, where people can sign a petition telling the Holy See, please let us, we want to be out of Fulton Sheen. And the people that are going to be there, Dr. Peter Howard, is going to talk about the world's forgotten first love of Fulton Sheen on the um, world's first love, Blessed Mother. I'll be there on evangelization. Matt Arnold will be talking the modern day St. Thomas Aquinas. And we are going to address this on the 14th, and you're welcome to sign up by going to vmpr.org, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, and sign up for that conference, because I think you'll like it. Now, I want to just make a point that needs to be made. We're living in times where they're forming our priests in a way that corrupts our priests. And one of the ways they're doing it, and I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, is they're trying to get our seminarians to look at uh, pornography and get these sexologists to come into the seminary and corrupt the guys before they're even ordained. And no visitation on that. See, this is the irony. So the National Seminary in Costa Rica used a sexologist to teach future priests about homosexuality and transgenderism and one of her protégés is now influencing Catholics in the United States. And our leaders are not talking about this. So this is a problem. And again, we need investigations on this. So what this lady, uh, her, her name is Dr. Margarita Murillo. She's well known in Costa Rica. Psychiatrist, sexologist, who helped design the country's controversial sexual education curriculum, which has faced criticism for promoting transgender ideology. What did Pope St. Pius X say about modernism? The modern ideas infiltrating the church? This is Exhibit A in Costa Rica. This woman is trying to bring in the immorality of the world and try to baptize it as Catholic teaching. We need to stop it. Now, dozens of priests have already undergone this full sexual education program. And she's bragging about meeting former students now serving as priests who have thanked her for opening their eyes. Yeah, to sin. See, this is, and they're going to be the priests? This is critical that this stops. Again, let's get an investigation there rather than going out to Tyler, Texas and trying to stop an Orthodox bishop. It makes no sense. Now, I'm going to talk about some crazy things that are immoral, and you might not want to have your children listen to this next point I'm going to make, but they basically are showing the seminarians R-rated movies. They're giving them uh, sex toys. They're doing all kinds of horrible things to, to basically 
lower the bar on morality to the future priests. And I cringe at those responsible for allowing that to happen because at their exit interview, it's not going to go well for them. And I, I say this, the diocese, the bishops need to wake up because the Catholic Church teaches these things as immoral, like masturbation is always intrinsically and seriously a disordered act and mortally sinful. You know how many people call me and say, the priest told me that masturbation is okay? I was in the confessional. I say, run out of that confessional. Go to a priest who believes what the church teaches. This has gone on way too long, and it needs to be called out. And if a guy like me, bald-headed old man, is going to say, hey, knock it off. Come on, let's get the church back on target. You're out of your lane. We need to get back to the perennial teachings of the church, especially on morality. There are people who think that abortion is okay, too, in the Catholic Church, and they'll go and do terrible things. Why? Lack of clarity. We need to teach the truth. We need full contact Catholicism. We're not right versus left. We're right versus wrong. It's black and white Catholicism. We come back, we'll talk a little bit more about how to work with reparation and expiation and to pray for our leaders in our church who are allowing horrible things to happen in our church. This is the Terry and Jesse Show. We'll be back after a quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse will be back tomorrow, folks. Monday is usually a day when he's traveling, so he'll be back. I got people asking, where's Jesse? Well, there you go. Now, what we've covered today is a letter that was written to the nuncio for the United States regarding Bishop Strickland's visitation. And, yeah, we covered that. Uh, lay people just saying, what's going on? We're, we're all mixed up. We got all these problems in the church, and we're going after a diocese that runs well in his vocations and is financially stable. So here's the answer to all of this, and we're going to be talking about that out in Tyler, Texas, at the Defending the Faith Conference, and that is, what is reparation and expiation? Now, reparation, we all need to make it for the problems in our church because we're not in management, we're in sales. We can't uh, tell the bishop that he needs to do X, Y, and Z when um, we're not in a position to do that. But we can pray for their intention to teach, govern, and sanctify. So the term expiation or reparation can in secular language mean the fulfillment of punishment due to guilt by involuntary suffering like a chastisement. By stark contrast, the biblical and Christian meaning of expiation includes voluntary suffering. Voluntary suffering for the church. Christian expiation is a form of voluntary reparation inspired by love, seeking to pay for the debts that result from offenses against God. I'll give you an example. The offense against God. When people in the church say sin is okay. Yeah, if we can have homosexuality or abortion, that's okay. No. Now, we offer our prayers and reparation 
for those sacrileges and things that are going on in the church. We hear about them all the time. But rather than getting mad, oh, I'm so upset at our church. No, I'm going to pray for the Pope. I'm going to pray for the bishops. I'm going to pray for those cardinals. I'm going to pray that that synod that's going on in Rome uh, is going to not try to change the perennial teachings of the church, which I think it's going to try. Now, I'll give you the announcement. I'm going to be in Rome. Are you ready? Jess and I, the 30th of, Jan of October and 31 and 30, 31 and November 1st, and we're going to be on a panel. Are you ready for this? With Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Mueller, Bishop Athanasius Schneider. LifeSite News is putting it on, and they want to hear from Jess and myself about evangelization and how the compromise that's going on these last years in the church are really ruining the evangelization that needs to be done in the Catholic Church. So we'll be there, and you can pray for us. So as we have seen, sin causes grave disorder, right? I mean, can you imagine someone telling somebody it's okay to kill their unborn babies as a priest or a sister, as a representative of Christ? That's happening. Horrible. Now, it's a disorder in the relationship between God and man. It refuses God as our preferential love. In mortal sin, the disordered yes to creatures and to myself is so radical as to be inseparable from the deep aversion to God. So to repair this grave disorder, to pay the debt caused by sin, we must turn things around. We need to give an even more generous yes in order to counteract the no of sin. We must turn to God instead of away from him. Because of original sin, growth in virtue requires steady efforts along an uphill road. But when we add personal sin to our fallen state, the struggle becomes even more difficult. For to sin is like running downhill. What a great analogy. It's easy. Yeah, man, this is cool. No, but to turn around and climb up again, to strive for the heights of righteousness and virtue, the road becomes very steep and demands more labor and self-denial than if one had never sinned. The arduousness of this ascent applies also to the practice of expiatory love and the virtue of religion, both when we do it for our own sins as well as when we are working for the salvation of other souls. To help, climb them, to help them climb up again, we need to give ourselves willingly to labor and sacrifice for them. In other words, we need to practice selfless love. Therefore, expiatory love manifests itself in a greater love proved by deeds. So we can talk about Colossians chapter 1. I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the good of the church. When we see our leaders giving teachings that are not according to the perennial teachings of the church, and we know that they made a promise at the altar when they were ordained as a priest to keep that promise, pass on the deposit of faith, then we have a moral obligation for two things. One, call them out with fraternal correction, and two, to pray and offer sacrifices for their conversion. 
so that they will come back to the church's perennial teachings. Because, as Our Lady of Fatima has said many times, and I repeat it every day, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. And I give that story about the man with the miraculous medal. I think I could tell it in three minutes, where he, right after World War II, this is prayer, this is Exhibit A of Divine Mercy. The gentleman was walking down a country road right after World War II, and Germany had been beaten up by the war. People were, I mean, there's millions of people at no homes. While the guy's walking down the road, he's near a lake, and he hears some women screaming, help, help, help. Well, the little boy is drowning, and the little boy is only four years old. He doesn't know how to swim. So the man jumps in, saves the little boy's life, brings him to his mom. Mom says, oh, thank you for saving my son's life. Can I... Can I give you some money? And I don't, I don't need any money. Can I feed you? Yeah, I'm hungry. She gives him a great meal. Great meal. Says, all right. And the guy's ready to leave. He says, thank you for the meal. Well, thank you for saving my son's life. But before you leave, can I give you this miraculous medal that's on my son's neck as a way of commemorating you saving my son's life? Oh, yeah, no problem. Puts it on. He continues to walk. Well, you probably know many German people migrated to Brazil. Why? Because they thought they had, couldn't stay in Germany with, after the war. They needed a better life. Well, this man did that, but he unfortunately was on the streets of Brazil the rest of his life. And he was dying. He had liver problems from drinking too much, and he was in a hospital where it was run by Catholics. And the sisters there tried to convince this man to go to confession because the doctor didn't expect him to live more than a couple days. And the man said, I'm not interested. Get out of here, sisters. The sisters went back to the convent. Mother Superior, we got a problem here, Mother. This guy is going to die, but he, he's not reconciled with Jesus. Mother says, well, you know, we need to pray. Our Lady Fatima said that. So you do sacrifices here, and you pray for that man. And by the way, there's a new priest who's now the chaplain at the hospital from Germany. He speaks German, so ask the father to go make a visit to him. And they did that, and the priest came in and started talking German with him. And next thing the priest asked is, hey, uh, I noticed you got that miraculous medal around your neck. Did your mother give it to you? He says, no, Father, a long time ago, I was in Germany before I migrated. There was a little boy drowning in a lake, and I ran in and saved his life, and the mother gave me this medal as a way of commemorating that. The priest says, you've got to be kidding me. He says, no, Father, that, that's what happened. The priest says, that was me. I was that little boy. And the man says, you're kidding me, Father. Oh, he hugs the priest and says, Father, I'm so glad it was you. And the priest says, yeah, me too. <laughs> so after he hugs the priest and says, thank you, he says to the priest, Father, will you hear my confession? Father says, of course. He hears the man's confession, and the very next day God calls that man home. Now that's exhibit A of expiation, prayer, a divine mercy, it's all there. That man was going to hell. But through the grace of that miraculous medal and the prayers of the sisters and Mother Superior and that yes from that young four-year-old to become a priest, what do you think the chances of all that happening? No, there's no chances with God's providence. God saw that coming. And that man got divine mercy exhibit A story. I tell that story everywhere. Why? 
because that's what we got to do right now in the Catholic Church today. We need to pray for our leaders, making reparation, sacrifices every day, because we are living in times where we've taken the, the leadership of our church is not keeping their eyes focused on Jesus Christ. The world has infiltrated the church, and we're more worried about global warming and recycling than the salvation of souls. And I hate to have to say that, but after 42 years of working in evangelization, I see it, and it's sad. And that's why we're going to do this Defending the Faith Conference in Tyler, Texas, September 1 and 2. We've got a great lineup of speakers. Wow, we've got Mother Miriam coming. We've got Janet Smith coming. We've got an exorcist coming. I'll be there also, and I'd love to see you at this conference. It's only $60 for a two-day conference, Friday night and all day Saturday. I mean, it's cheap. Now, to get there, I understand. You might have to get a flight, but make your arrangements quick. Go to vmpr.org to register for that conference called the Defending the Faith Conference, and it's sponsored by us, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We've got lay people, about 50 lay people down in Tyler doing all the groundwork for this event. I'll be the master of ceremony, and you can count on me calling all of us to reparation and expiation for our leaders because that's part of evangelization. It's not just knowing the faith. It's living the faith, and our prayers, when we pray improperly, are united with the prayers of Jesus Christ to help redeem the world. Jesse will be back tomorrow. I had my guardian angel with me today. And don't forget, next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's the 28th, 9th, 30th, we'll have our priest from the Opus Angelorum on the work of the angels coming. It's a free three-day conference, and you'll learn a lot about your guardian angel and how to prepare to make a consecration to the guardian angel. So come and come to that here. Uh, we'd love to have you come. I'll be there. Please God all night, all three nights. And, uh, you know, if Jesse was here, I'd say, Jess, what state should we be living in? You know, he's going to say the state of grace. Terry, don't even live out the state of grace for a moment. If you haven't been to confession for a while. I always say, get to confession, get your daily rosary in, your visits to the blessed sacrament. I loved my holy hour this morning. It was awesome. I was the only one in the church with Jesus, my guardian angel. Step it up, man. Because if we don't live our Catholic faith, we'll go down by it. We need to live our faith fervently. May God richly bless you and your family.